Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. Her eyes closed, and her head went back arching her back, trying to get closer and closer to the feeling of Charlie, to the smell of her, the taste of her, the feel of her circling and circling. Heat was building and inside her and she couldn't talk and couldn't think, couldn't do anything but surrender herself absolutely and completely to it. Claire. Neil. We have to do a podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Stop it. Stop it right now. We have to do a podcast. (laughs) Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. If you've just come here to hear a review of one of these books to see if maybe you'd like to read it, stop. Just go buy the book and read it. We're going to tell you that right now. I recommend you just buy the book and read it. And then come back and listen to us bitch about it. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you don't mind spoilers, then just keep listening. We're going to tell you the beginning, middle, and end. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Claire. Neil. You picked some books for us. Oh, I did. What did you pick? I picked Tea Leaves and Tourniquets, a lesbian romance by Sienna Waters, and... I picked Vanessa Yu's Magical Paris Tea Shop by Rosalie Lim. And man, we always do the back of the book cover and say, is that what happened? And then we say yes or no. But I got to tell you, it's already a lie in the title. (laughs) 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 Anyway, and we also read Vanessa Yu's Magical Paris Tea Shop. What was the theme? Uh, It was tea, but that was also a lie in very many ways. (laughs) Great. Great. I'm excited to <laughs> to steep in that for a little bit to talk about these books. But first, Claire. Yes. What's got you hot and bothered? Fucking aliens, man. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Oh, my God. So there was a congressional hearing this week on, uh, like... Aliens, and I, I can't remember, is it, what is it, UAEs, UAOs, UAIs, um, because they're not called UFOs anymore. Um, they're called this other thing, like unidentified, like flying enigmas or something. I don't remember. But like UAPs, 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 phenomenon. I don't know what it means. I just hold on. Go- Google says, Google says, unidentified anomalous, f- anomalous phenomena. Yes, because also that... listeners, sorry, we're we're recording on Friday, Chaos it, Friday. It is Chaos Friday. I am drunker than normal. I am more emotional than normal. I am I am more exhausted than normal. Yep. After yep. this, I may do mushrooms <laughs> for Ooh. the first time in my entire life. <laughs> After this, I'm going to eat half a sandwich and cry. Oh my god! You and me <laughs> both. I am crying. also. I'm just like exhausted, and I still have so much I have left to do. But I'm drinking a very delicious whiskey. 
I am as well, actually. Like, it was one of those that was recommended by the large conglomerate that I bought the liquor from, and they weren't wrong. So <laughs> They were not wrong. Not feeling too Anyway, bad. we're talking about UA, UAPs. 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 And let me say, so uh, it is worth listening to the congressional testimony because it is bonkers madness <laughs> the entire time. Like C-SPAN is rarely this entertaining. But I got to tell you, I am a child of the 80s and 90s, which means I am steeped in UFO shit. And right now is the best time for it. I am also from New Mexico, which means I was like grabbing that shit. I'm like, yes, I'm close to Roswell. Yes. And like uh, right now we've got like a movie out that's all about, you know, nuclear bombs and which is just what happened in Roswell. I'm sorry, everybody. What happened in Roswell was a test flight with a nuclear with a small nuclear weapon and it exploded and it was people who died and it's awful. It's airmen whose names will never, ever be on any list of the dead because it was a secret thing that they were doing. And then civilians went up and touched that shit. <laughs> so like it's and then the government was like, this is so bad. We're going to say it was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> And then we're going to say it's a conspiracy. And I fucking love it. Anyway, so they're talking about UAPs right now. And I just like, it just means they're covered up something else. There's something else they would rather not have a congressional testimony about. That they're like, yeah, let's get this guy on. (laughs) They should just get the guy from the History Channel uh, that his hair was kept getting taller the more he talked about aliens. So I, I like what Hank Green said about it this week, like because they wanted him to talk, like his fans wanted him to talk about it. And he's Congress like, wanted Hank Green to talk about it. I wish. But <laughs> he says, and I think this is particularly great. He says, like, there's nobody else out there who wants there to be aliens that have come to Earth more than me. But I have to tell you, there's just a lot of new technology out there, and a lot of new technology means like it's like just like we always have as humans anytime there's new technology we see mermaids and ghosts mermaids ghosts and aliens because we don't Mm -hmm. know what we're looking at and it scares us and we try to make sense of it and this is how we make sense it's like this is just what it is and in 10 years we'll know what we're looking at again and it's fine and i'm like yeah that's probably it but also aliens (laughs) good Neil! Good. Yes. What has got you hot and bothered? Actually, it's very closely related to aliens. Share. Share. <gasps> Share has a new brand of gelato coming out called Sherlotto. <laughs> Apparently, she teamed up with an ice cream company uh, from New Zealand called Giappo or Joppo. And now there's like uh, uh, an ice cream truck covered with pictures of share inside of ice cream cones holding ice cream cones that's going to drive around LA and sell people gelato and honestly if the names of the flavors are not puns I'm going to be so pissed like if there's not a ginger snap out of it gelato then everybody did everything wrong it's fucking amazing. I am looking at it right now, and I am. I mean, she looks like a like like even like in the picture, it looks like they photoshopped it, so it looks like there's some woman who's holding her hands holding a gelato in front of Cher's face. But like, 
I don't know if Cher has eaten real human food. No. Ever. Because she's <laughs> not of this earth. No, she's an alien. And she that's is. fine. Hank Green, pay attention. Cher. <laughs> if I could turn back time, and I can. <laughs> and I can. She just puts her fingers together. Uh, oh, there is also, this is important, there is also a marijuana plant. That the seed is also called Sherlado. <laughs> okay. So that is good. also happening at the same time. Good to FYI. know. Sherlado flowers in 50 days. Just FYI. Okay. That's what Google Images says. <laughs> and I've been spending most of the day thinking of like punny flavor names or like the section where you get to pick your toppings is called like Jimmy's Schnapps and I don't know something else I don't anyway I'm drunk leave me alone like I want like there to be a macchiato flavor and it to be called Bob Macchiato (laughs) that's a good one that's a good one or like um if I could churn some lime Um, oh, I want there to be a, um, I want there to be like a mimosa one and it to be just called Sunny and Cher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Fabulous. Anyway. Wonderful. Should we, should we, should we, I was going to think of a, of a segue. There's no point. Let's talk about books. Let's talk about some books. Tea Leaves and Tourniquets, a lesbian romance by Sienna Waters. Can a cup of tea predict true love? When Jake Callahan's dubiously clairvoyant best friend predicts that her soulmate is on the horizon, Jay isn't exactly persuaded. But when she walks into Landport Clinic and meets Charlie, she starts to think that maybe her luck is changing. Charlie Riley is a machine. Or she was. A top-rated ER doctor with a mind like a trap? She shouldn't be doctoring in a small oceanfront resort town. She's mysterious, cold, and very, very sexy. This is supposed to be a match made in heaven, but there's a problem. Charlie doesn't believe in soulmates, or clairvoyance, or love. It's up to Jay to persuade the Ice Queen doctor that not only is love real, but that her soulmate is standing right in front of her. But as the stakes rise and the attraction between the two women grows hotter, Jay's faith in romance is shattered. Can Charlie help her put it back together? Believing in true love uh, keeps going. Believing in true love is hard, but maybe, just sometimes, it's enough to have someone else believe for you. Tea Leaves and Tourniquets is a new standalone lesbian romance from Sienna Waters, the best-selling author of The Wrong Date, A Perfect Mess, and the Oakview series. Claire... Yes. I just have to say really fast when it says <laughs> the very first sentence when Jay Callahan's dubiously clairvoyant best friend predicts that her soulmate is on the horizon, Jay isn't exactly persuaded. That's a lie. Yeah, it's a complete she, lie. She believes it right away. Anyway, that's what the very long back of the book says this book is about. Claire, what is this book about? <laughs> I mean, okay. So, Landport is a. Um, fictional place on the coast of a place that is probably America. <laughs> that is near uh, the city. Uh, near uh, the city in some uh, uh, place. 
I kept feeling that the author was from the UK because it kept talking about this clinic and kept saying the health authority is going to close it down. The mm-hmm. health authority is going to close it down. And I was like, oh, this is... And and none of the patients were ever charged or there was no talk of insurance. So it's like... <laughs> it also called it um, her surgery. Yes, they called it a surgery instead of... Yeah. And then there's also like, oh, she didn't much fancy this and like her mobile rang and... So, yeah, yeah, I think it was written by somebody from the UK or maybe Canada about America. And it's like, you silly, silly person with with socialized health care. You forgot about insurance. Yeah. Yeah, Because when it's like the health authority is closing the place down, we're like, oh, is it because of that terrible doctor that used to be there? It's like, no, they've decided to stop funding it. It's like, oh, this is not America. Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. I was like, the health authority? There's none of that. Oh my god! And then just to continue the theme of place near uh, the city, because because uh, Charlie's from the city, and then when she gets there, she works at City Hospital. Yes, <laughs> there's never a name for the city. <laughs> so, I assumed it was supposed to be New York. I assume so as well. Because but there's this very funny moment later in the book where Jay has to find Charlie. And I will get to that later because it is fucking <laughs> hilarious. But she's like, I don't know how I'm going to find her. And I'm like, you know, you're right. There's only one the city, though. So I feel like you're going to like you. there was no like me. Like <laughs> Charlie only ever said the city, which could be any city or only one. It just <laughs> like, it's hard to say. <laughs> oh, my God. So. So the very first thing we see is Jay walking down the street and she's like practically whistling. She's just like, I'm having a great day. Everything's fine. Oh, don't walk under the ladder. Don't step on a crack or break my mother's back. And she's like, I mean, my mom's dead, so it doesn't really matter, but I'm going to do it anyway. And she's like, what? Like the tone, the tone right away was like, what is happening? And she is in the small seaside town, which is, uh, you know, which gets a whole lot of tourist traffic in the summer and then mm-hmm. is dead the rest of the year. It's right now in the dead times. Um, she. <laughs> we have cell phone times and now we have dead times. <laughs> oh, and that is also a funny part of this book because I don't know when this takes place, except I think it takes place in the early 90s when only some people had emergency cell phones. <laughs> Yeah, that that baby. Well, and they're also like haven't digitized the medical records yet. You know what though? I would believe. Oh yeah, no, I I believe health authority hadn't come down upon this like small town doctor yet. Sure, except yeah. no. Here's the thing: <laughs> because medical records now are digitized because of insurance, but there's no insurance in this fictional place that doesn't exist. Mm. So whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, stuff still has to get random. Things still have to be faxed every now and again, as if people have fax machines. Yeah, again, and there's only one cell phone, and I can say this because yes. they don't contact each other, like. Uh, they, <laughs> Like, they don't share each other's phone number ever. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, anyway, so Jay is happily walking down the street. She goes into her aunt slash her um, 
curiosity shop which has a whole lot of just bric-a-brac future like stuff that's like witchy stuff it's witchcrafty stuff somebody comes in and says like oh i'm looking what does he say it's like i'm looking for something from like you know the craft or something and he's like oh he says i'm looking for something for a gift or someone they're really into the occult and jay's in her head is like this isn't the occult i'm like well then what the fuck is it well, i know I was later like, right we see away. crystal balls and tarot cards and i'm just like yes that's exactly what this is that's exactly what it is what the fuck but she was like offended that he said occult i'm like yes that's what this is and at that point i was like what does this shop sell because i do like near where near where i used to live near where you live now there is a shop that's called like the angel shop oh and it's like pretty heavily catholic focused but that's also where you can go in and get tarot cards and crystals and a bunch of other things so i don't really so that's what i thought i was like is it like that shop no it's just that it's just this is all fake is it the um, special brand of catholicism that believes in magic <laughs> well i mean catholic anyway we're not gonna get into that <laughs> so um so her best friend were actually works there like jay doesn't actually work there she i don't like for money what she does is a nothing she lives off the revenue from this store and her paintings she doesn't work here except for fun but it is hers her it was handed down to her by her mother but her mother died when jay was like one or right away it's i can't mm-hmm. remember and so her aunt took over the store and just has been running it since then and so in jay's mind her aunt bobby and her best friend cc is this is that who it is yes uh, and her yeah her best friend cc um they actually run the store and in jay's mind they are both clairvoyants mm-hmm. the funniest thing is neither of them are or really believe in it <laughs> they just have never told that to jay <laughs> she she's like oh my god but you said and they're like yeah we're just doing this for fun and yeah, like, no it's to make money it's a store it's a it's a tourist shop store what the fuck is wrong with you uh. And, and this is what Jay finds out at the end of the book. And it just cracks my shit up. Because it's so, what the fuck? Anyway, so her friend reads her her teacup, her teacup fortune. And she's just like, oh, you're about to meet your soulmate. And Jay's like, pretty much the next person I see is going to be my soulmate. And the next person she sees is Charlie. Charlie is the new doctor who has come in because the old doctor was a pervert who was sexually abusing his patients. Uh huh. <laughs> and this is where I have to say this book is a crazy mix of all of this is fiction and weird and oh my god, this got too real. <laughs> yes. There's another part later with um Finn. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, no, uh Finn, who we're not really gonna cover too much because he does not matter. Um, Finn is Cece's boyfriend and he has a horrific accident at the fairground where a large jet cable chops off his leg. It doesn't chop off his leg, but. Well, pretty much. Like, oh, I mean, it, it like, it evis- It severed, it got through a lot of layers. It got through a lot of layers and severs a major artery and he almost yes. bleeds out on the fairground in front of children. <laughs> 
And I was like, no. Meanwhile, there's like cat in the the doctor's office antics. And then we have these moments of like, oh shit, this just got way too real. Like, why couldn't this old man doctor just died? Like, everybody loved him. Or it would have been enough that he, like, because he was also, like, making home remedies and he was, like, selling love potions and shit. And then, like, the, um, the receptionist was doling out medical advice because the other doctor didn't want to be bothered with the unimportant things like we see a kid get brought in because he got stung by a jellyfish and the receptionist was like well i tried telling them to just put vinegar on it and go home because that's what doc hudson or whatever would have wanted like that was enough but no we had to have the sexual sexual harassment stuff and i was like we didn't need it for this this book is not this book cannot stand the weight of real problems (laughs) it's collapsing under the weight of its fake problems (laughs) (laughs) anyway so charlie shows up and charlie is charlie's a dick charlie is our ice queen love interest who uh who thinks she's uh, God's gift to medicine and has had and had one kind of bad thing happen oh in the my year she was God. working in and from then on she is just she just has fucking panic attacks anytime like something even remotely close happens um which the moment her- that I want the moment that I wanted it to get real was when we found out what what happened to her that caused this and then it's like not like it was bad but it was not even that she almost oh killed could have killed someone but didn't and that's why she's upset i'm like no i wanted her to kill someone yeah yeah so here's what happened her best friend from forever is also the head of this hospital in the city the she's the head of city hospital and (laughs) she's also a diabetic and was going into diabetic shock and so she came to her friend who was the head of the ER and was like, I'm in, going into diabetic shock. And her friend was like, let me get this syringe out. And she almost like gave it to her friend. And her friend was like, hold up, bitch. That is like 10 cc's more than I need. And you're going to kill me if you give that to me. And she's like, oh, shit. Sorry. That is what happened. And from then on, she had panic attacks because Charlie wasn't because Char, Charlie almost had panic attacks because she wasn't perfect enough. So now here's where we come into the actual problem with this. She eventually does go back to the ER to start working again. And she has another panic attack wherein she panics so hard, she hyperventilates and blacks out in the ER while working on a patient as the head doctor for that patient. And her friend, the head of this hospital, pulls her into another room and they make up what happened to her they falsify her records on her chart saying she just had low blood pressure and call it a day and i'm like no (laughs) i did i did appreciate though i mean yeah that's illegal and they shouldn't have done that um but the friend uh rain Uh uh-huh um, was like, okay, so we got that taken care of, but if you're going to keep working here, you need to see a mental health professional. And she does. Yes, and she does, and we see but that then, first. But then narratively, the moral of the story is, oh, well, fucking Jay fixes her, and if she looks at Jay, then she never has panic attacks ever again, which, yes, fuck yeah. off. Fuck off. So that anyway. was the end of the book. Moving on. 
Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> we need to do the first part of the book. Yeah. So Jay and Charlie meet up. Charlie does not want to talk about herself. Jay is like, I'm in love with you. You are obviously my soulmate. Which she says to Charlie, and which rightly freaks Charlie the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And Charlie doesn't want to go on any dates with Jay because Jay thinks that she's her love interest. And Charlie's like, I don't talk to anybody about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk to nobody, no how. So, but then uh, Charlie finds out that they're that the health authority. <laughs> that the mysterious health authority is going to shut down the clinic and she sees that this clinic is the only place that people are getting health care so she wants to fight against that and she wants jay's help so she takes jay out for uh for lunch not as a date but as a let's do this like let's figure this out jay is like obviously i'm gonna be chill about this i'm not going to talk about you being my you know my main squeeze for the rest of my life or anything i'm gonna be very cool and at this point we get into one of the most toxic things somebody could possibly do in a relationship out of just outside of regular abuse which is one of them is like i am going to utterly change myself and pretend to be somebody entirely different so that you like me (laughs) no Well, the Little Mermaid has taught us that's exactly what we need to do. And that's pretty much what Jay does. She doesn't talk or say anything any for a while until Charlie is and then finally that Charlie like shows the modicum of interest and Jay jumps on her and is like, We're fucking making out and you're coming upstairs. Also, I work for you now. Yeah. So then Jay starts working at the clinic and she and charlie start hooking up um charlie is like i don't like talking about my shit don't ask me and jay is like one question i get one question a day and i'm like why do you think this is a good relationship (laughs) see here's the thing i i kind of liked the like the one question a day thing i wish it had happened much 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 earlier so that the one question a day could be like what's your favorite type of cookie what's your favorite movie What's your favorite color? Just like get to know you questions. And then when the romance progressed a little, then the one question a day could be like, why do you have the panic attacks? Why don't you open up about stuff? But it was like, okay, one question a day. And it was like right away. And it was like, you know, like, why don't you open up about things? And in her head, Charlie's like, well, it's only fair that I'm honest because of how good the sex is. Yeah, that is exactly her thought process. <laughs> she gives me the good sexings, so it's only fair that I'm honest. And like, uh, anyway, so, but and it's, it is these heavy questions right away, which also seems completely unfair. Um, I mean, like, there's there's a big part of me that wants to be like these two just met charlie is allowed to be as closed off to this stranger as she wants to be like i like as much as like charlie is often a bitch and she is and as much as she's often kind of awful and she is she's allowed to not tell this perfect stranger the inner workings of her life Mm -hmm. and jay as often as she's 
dumb quirky in a way that makes no sense is also allowed to be as open as she wants to be with anybody she wants to be and if these and if the and you shouldn't be in a relationship with somebody who hates that about you <laughs> that's not good like yeah fuck them that's fine have all the sex you want but then yeah. if you turn to them and go you know what i really need is i need you to open up a little bit and the other person goes no don't go well i guess i I have to change that one about myself no <laughs> whatever God. anyway meanwhile the whole time bobby who's also really salty is like you're being dumb and then cc's like you're being dumb and just like i'm doing what you said and they're both like no it's not real yeah <laughs> i it was and then <sighs> So, you know, they, they start fucking and getting to know each other and they're having a good time. So obviously they're falling in love because the good they sex do makes fool you around fall in, in her in Charlie's office on the desk, which I appreciated. No. Yeah. Which is totally cool. But again, it's like four days later um, or I don't know. It's three weeks. We'll say we'll give him three weeks. The time was really weird in this. So at which point Cece's boyfriend has this horrific accident and Charlie has to rush to it because she's the town doctor and Jay is along for the ride because she has to help her get, you know, figure out how to get to the fairground. She's going to be there to get Cece. It's going to, you know, this is how it's going to work. Jay watches Charlie working on Finn. And I appreciate that she, she was able to call it out in her own mind as being selfish, but it was absurd. She's watching this happen and she's like, oh, well, look how happy Charlie is. She's not going to stay. I guess she's not my soulmate. And I'm like, that is your conclusion from this so here's the thing too is like i actually like the moment where she's like oh like this is what she wants to be doing not like working at a clinic that also is only open from 8 a.m to 11 a.m it's an amazing <laughs> job it's an amazing job whatever anyway I, meanwhile i'm sure all the doctors listening are like if i had an entire afternoon to get caught up on my paperwork every day do you know how happy i would be um but anyway so the whole time yeah i i like i was saying i appreciated that she's like oh this is what she wants to be doing and that's not what we offer here so obviously she's going to go back to the city whatever city that is but also the entire time the entire time the reason why the clinic is being shut down is because a fancy new hospital just opened up like two towns over so it's like just live here and and work in the hospital right over working yeah right over which there is only like 45 minutes drive you can no commute. 30 with traffic 30 with traffic which in my mind when i read that i was like yeah that's how long it takes me to get to target yeah, and so I was just like the the solution is the solution is right there. The solution is right there. But what I did appreciate though is by the time we get to that six hundred page epilogue, is oh my god, it was so it was, so, it was like two chapters smushed together in an epilogue that the answer wasn't her working at the ER because then she would fall into the same pattern of working too much and not spending enough time on herself or with the relationship. That instead she did um, a couple shifts with the paramedics and a couple shifts at the urgent care. So she still got that like adrenaline fix that she wanted, but also wasn't there like two days straight kind of thing. So I did appreciate that. Yeah. But also yeah. that was that, that answer was there the entire time. The whole time, the oh. whole time. But also, I mean, this is like a very quick romance. It's like they fall in love over the summer, which yeah. is fine, but it also felt short. 
like okay no the book felt long the romance felt weirdly short and despite the fact that it was like love at first sight type thing i don't know like i never cared about these characters <laughs> I, I tried i was like i'm like and there were points where i really did like the way i like charlie's growth mm-hmm. because jay never grew as a person yeah, yeah. so her whole thing She's been, so she's a very a, apparently a very talented artist who talks about like moving to the city to like put her art up and do all that stuff, but she's always waiting for a sign, and that's characterized really well because after she hears about the potential soulmate, she sees someone and is like, oh, maybe it's this person. Except this other thing happens, so I know it's an unlucky day. So obviously today's not the day. That person was also a dick to her right away. So like, I don't know. Maybe she's into dicks. I don't know. Um, but so then her whole lesson is, well, no, you have to go. You have to act. You have to make decisions. You have to make choices. You have to go for the thing that you want. You have to ask for the thing you want. And every time she's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then Charlie shows up and and then Jay never has to do it. Like, I thought it was leading towards Jay showing up in the city to be like, I did it. I made the choice. I made the gesture. But right when she's getting ready to do that, this one, Charlie shows up. So she never has to do it. So she doesn't actually learn the lesson. Yeah, she never has to do anything. Um, uh-huh. Like, and in fact, like, part of it is, uh, again, like, you, the un- like, I think at one point her aunt says, what, were you just expecting the universe to bend to your will? You have to do the work. And I was like, this is good. That's that's mm-hmm. an interesting thing. But in the meantime, her art is just being sold. Like, yeah. And, and at a fast rate. And then we find out that a gallery owner has bought her art and has been showing it to his friends. And they've been coming and buying it. And now he wants to show it more. So, in fact, she didn't have to do that work either. There, This scene with Andre, who's the gallery owner, just fucking cracked my shit up. So he takes her out. He's like, uh, like seriously this is i it's just drinks and it's business but can i take you out for drinks and she's like sure and so she's feeling all sad sack still because charlie is not her you know soulmate um and this guy is being really nice he's like so all right full disclosure time i own a gallery in the city and a couple months back i went into the shop to get a gift for my niece and i ran into you and Long story short, he bought the paintings. And then he says, and I've been showing it around. And she's like, okay. Not really following where he was going. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You just found out you're talking to a gallery owner who's been showing your paintings. And you're like, where is this going? She's not. bitch. Sharp. And he's like, and so people started noticing. And I'm blowing my own horn here. But I do tend to be a trend center setter. And one of the advantages of owning a gallery. And people noticed and started asking me about the artist. And, well, I support, I suspect that you had been selling a lot of your work for the last couple months. Drinks arrived. And Jay thankfully grasped hold of hers and took a big gulp. And then she says, so you're here to what? Collect commission? earn my undying gratitude for helping me sell a few paintings she said and she had really run out of patience and i'm like are you fucking kidding me this is the most insane thing i have ever heard i was like i'm done with this character i don't want her to get charlie i don't want her to have i don't even want harvey the cat to like her company i she she had all of my hopes at the beginning and now i'm like fuck this bitch (laughs) 
which was completely frustrating. And because she wasn't the bad one of the two of them. Like, Charlie was the bad ally. Oh, God, it was so fucking... F- anyway, they end up together, and I just... Whatever. <laughs> oh, the insane moment. The insane moment with the phone. So, at some point, she re- she does realize. She's like, you know, I gotta get a hold of Charlie, because I'm in love with her, and they're right. The uh, the universe, like you said, like, the lesson is, the you have to make the universe work for you. You have to go out and get what you want. And so, she's, she's still working at the the clinic despite the fact that there's another doctor who comes in twice a day and she's sitting there she's like i have to do it i have to get Car- charlie i'm gonna call a hospital in the city and i'm gonna ask for dr riley so she calls a hospital <laughs> in the city <laughs> and, and and ask she for- picks up a phone and is like hello operator connect me to a hospital please <laughs> That is basically what happens. And she's and she's asked the operator, like, can I talk to Dr. Riley? There's a pause. The the operator's like, sure. She go, she comes back, she's like, there's no Dr. Riley here. She's like, all right, thanks for letting me know. She hangs up the phone. She's like, well, I lost her forever. <laughs> <laughs> you called one place. <laughs> well, it was the city. There's well, probably the only is, like, the hospital. Charlie also knew that Rain was the head administrator of that hospital. Oh, that's right. And knew Rain's last name. Easily could have also said, well, hey, it's, uh, may I talk to Rain? And then, like, find out, like, where's Charlie? No, no, no. Must <laughs> not like, work that hard. <laughs> they'd be like, no, no, no. This is the wrong hospital. You want city hospital. Yeah. This is the city hospital. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I read that three times because I was like, that can't be what just happened. She just <laughs> called one place and called it good. Like, well, that's it. I There's tried. no well, other places. She's not used to doing things, Claire. It was probably exhausting doing that one thing that day. Uh, well, I mean, also because I think she's independently wealthy because she's just an artist who just sort of does things. <laughs> Someone was like... <laughs> well what if you call another hospital and then she's that Titus Andromedon gift which is like but they've already done something today <laughs> oh my god which listen that is a mood if ever I I've mean, seen one Matt and I say that to each other all the time oh the I time. say it to myself all the time <laughs> they already did something today they've already done something today oh my god anyway goodness I, I'm just like Anyway, I have nothing else to say about this, but they get together. They're very happy together. There's a very long epilogue where more things happen. And like, the, ugh. The epilogue starts with them having like, the, it's like, oh, we're like 10 months into the relationship and here are all the problems that we're having. And I was like, where is this guy? I mean, like one, I appreciate that's like, oh, it's not happily ever after. There's still work to do. But it's like, but where is this going? And then 600 pages later, she proposes, or um, Jay proposes to Charlie. And and apparently that's going to fix all their problems. It's not. It's not, my friends. It's not. But do you know what? Do you know what? A strained relationship where you can't communicate or see enough each o- of, of each other is not going to be fixed by planning a wedding. If you can believe it. <sighs> 
Uh, well, uh, that's that's all you have to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was no. There was like two times they drank tea, and so that was upsetting as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, this whole thing was about like you know reading the tea leaves. That's that's what happens. Tea leaves are read twice, and that's there's hardly any tea. And I this is the first of two apologies I'll make to you, Neil. I'm sorry. <laughs> Great. That was tea leaves and tourniquets by Sienna Waters. Vanessa Yu's Magical Paris Tea Shop by Rosalie Lim. From the critically acclaimed author of Natalie Tan's Book of Luck and Fortune comes a new delightful novel about exploring all magical possibilities of life in the most extraordinary city of all, Paris. Vanessa Yu never wanted to see people's fortunes or misfortunes in tea leaves. Ever since she can remember, Vanessa has been able to see people's fortunes at the bottom of their teacups. Fucking hell, this is already wrong! (laughs) (laughs) So sorry, okay. (laughs) To avoid blurting out their fortunes, she converts to coffee. Again, she doesn't do that, but whatever. (laughs) But somehow (laughs) fortunes escape and find a way to... Uh, to complicate her life and the ones of the, and the ones of those around her to add to this plight her romance life is so non-existent that her parents enlist the services of a matchmaking expert from shanghai after her matchmaking appointment vanessa sees death for the first time again also not true she decides that she can't truly live until she can find a way to get rid of her uncanny abilities again also not really true and when her eccentric aunt evelyn shows up with a tempting offer to whisk her away vanessa says au revoir to california and bonjour to paris there vanessa learns more about herself and the root of her gifts and realizes the one that uh, realizes one thing to be true knowing one's destiny isn't a curse but being able to change it is again that's not actually what happens i'm she so also, sorry i know i'm supposed to ask you is that what happens at the end she book? also does not say au revoir to california and bonjour to paris because she doesn't bother to learn any fucking french or any other language she's just yeah. like nah, <sighs> not doing that okay <laughs> Okay, for this, okay, this book. The premise is that, okay, so the Yu family is a very proper, prosperous family in the San Francisco Bay Area, particularly in San Francisco and down the peninsula in Palo Alto. And part of why the family is so prosperous is because at any given moment, there are two clairvoyants, two fortune tellers in their family that are able to sort of like see other people's people's futures and can like make good things happen and Vanessa hates being a fortune teller because she seems to only ever predict bad things or rather she fixates on when she predicts bad things and how much that ruins people's lives um and then every so she's been trying to stifle this and now it's causing her like really terrible headaches and so it gets to the point that basically her aunt who's the other fortune teller in the family is like listen i'm about to open up a tea shop in paris you need to you need to learn to control your gift or terrible things will happen come with me to paris we'll sell tea i'll teach you how to be a fortune teller and then we know because this is this podcast that there's a a romance story that happens this is a great premise this book is so fucking 
boring. Oh my god. 311 was... pages of boring. Oh god, I was utterly stymied as to why this was such a f- like there's magic. There's magic in this book and it's so dull. And, and like the pacing is so bizarre. The focus is on the wrong couple. I wanted to be in Evelyn's head for this whole book. Yeah. I wanted the book to be about Evelyn, and it kind of is. It it's mo- it's more about Evelyn than it is about Vanessa. Yeah, because it is okay. Evelyn's tea shop. FYI, it is yes. not Vanessa used magical Paris tea shop. It is Evelyn's tea shop. Yes. Also, this book talks about food a lot. And not in a fun, like, it's just like every, every single thing that she eats, we have to like take some paragraphs to like talk about the food. And part of it is like, okay, great. I also love food. But another part of it is like, why it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the, it kind it doesn't really have anything to do with the romance until we find out at the very end that it sort of does. It doesn't have anything to do with the fortune telling. It doesn't have anything to really do with anything. And then I also realize I'm like, why do these passages feel so sloggy? Is because it was like sort of frilly descriptions of food as opposed to like there were no metaphors. There were no similes about like how the food made her feel or anything like that. It was just like, oh, all the sugar and she could taste the sugar and butter yeah it's a crepe we can all taste the sugar and butter what are you talking about Yeah, how does that make you feel how does it make (sighs) her character feel how does that change her as a character i think one of the interesting things okay if we one of the most interesting parts about her magic so when she starts to be able to tell people's fortunes and this is exactly what happens fyi she can just like look at somebody and she just sees it just happens and she no, tries it's in, to it's in drinks well, no it's not yeah it is no the caffeine enhances it and makes it start to happen no it only ever happens when she sees the bottom of somebody's drink and it doesn't have to be tea because there was the part where they were at versailles and she like saw into the water bottle or something it's just it's when she looks oh, inside man. a drink I read that all wrong then, because I really felt like it was just like it just happens sometimes. But like, that's how she... it's supposed to happen. That's how it works for Evelyn. Oh. But because Vanessa's been suppressing it, it only happens when she sees the like the it, inside the bottom of somebody's drink. Okay, well, so sort of then... playing off the reading the tea leaves, but it could be any beverage. Okay, well, all right, well that's dumb. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. One of the most interesting things that happens is like the the fortune starts to have like a flavor in her mouth. And mm-hmm. I thought that was super interesting. And the flavor combinations were really interesting. They weren't always tasty. They were interesting. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, that's cool. Like, well, then how is that going to play in with these different flavors that she's eating as well? Nothing. And it doesn't. It has nothing to do with anything. See, if, if Aunt Evelyn were opening up a like a like a Chinese bakery in Paris... Mm-hmm. And so we were we were all about food all the time anyway. Then it would have made so much more sense. Also, there's a point when we're because we're talking about all the food and she's like, oh, it was basically ingrained in our DNA that the the use had refined taste. I'm like, yeah, it's real easy to have refined taste when you have that much fucking money. Yeah, super. When easy. Aunt Evelyn is just like, oh no, we need to get you to Paris. Boop boop boop. I just booked you a first class ticket for the flight that leaves in a week. 
Done. So, so the okay, okay. So we get to Paris. Evelyn, sh I really liked Evelyn um, because obviously uh, Vanessa had tried to turn to learn how to harness her. Like Evelyn had tried to teach her to control her gift when she was younger, but Vanessa kept rebelling, kept rebelling, and then Evelyn is a very exacting woman, so they clashed heads. And even sure. though we kept talking about how much they were clashing heads, I'm like, she seems fine. And then Vanessa's like, oh, she's so disappointed in me. I was like, I well, guess. This is where we get into like, <sighs> okay. One of the big reasons why, like, I never liked Harry Potter is because the kids were always pushing back against the teachers when the teachers were asking perfectly reasonable things. Like, mm -hmm. hey, you guys should study and you're not doing it right the first time. And Harry would be like, oh, well, fuck you. What can, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, show me how to do it right. And I'm like, you're a fucking child. <laughs> well, that's how children get, are. You don't get all the information. You don't deserve all the information. And FYI, just try it again. <laughs> Why are you slamming down your fucking wand? Like, well, everything sucks because you hate me. And it's like, no, Snape is actually just trying to get you through this. No, that's a bad thing because Snape was actually a fucking jerk. But Evelyn like, would be just like, you know, you're not doing this right. I think there could be something blocking you. And Vanessa would be like, oh, well, there's something blocking you. <laughs> the, the, the body movements and the face that Claire just made, <laughs> listeners, it just excellent. Excellent. I mean, excellent. It, was, it was just so frustrating because I'm like, where is this coming from? Yeah. And then, of course, when we find out where it's coming from, I nearly threw my Kindle across the room because I was like, that isn't enough. It isn't enough. And I hate this turn of events. Yeah. Okay. So, God. Okay. So then, okay. So the premise is she's going to be in Paris for two weeks, three weeks, something yes. like that. And then um, Evelyn's like, okay, well, for the first three days, I'm going to be busy, like, finishing up getting the shop opened up. Um, so you have three days to yourself. And Vanessa's like, well, I didn't bother learning French and I don't look at maps and I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not used to being by myself. Apparently I, she's, there's a point where it's like having grown up in California, I only ever drive anywhere. I'm like, well, I know you're not one of the San Francisco yous. Mm, she's a Palo Alto you. Um, so she's just like, I don't know what to do in Paris, except she's also like, Oh, I'm a painter and I really want to see the art, but then that wasn't important either. It was a whole dumb thing. Anyway, I know it isn't. But then she's got like, she has this list of galleries she wants to go to. I and she doesn't go to. She goes to like two of them. Anyway, yeah. Which and, and then she, she goes to the most famous ones. FYI. Yeah. And then she meets Mark, who it turns out is, um, he's from Montreal, but he's in Paris working, and so so then it's like, oh great, he speaks English though. The whole book, she's like, nobody speaks English. Almost everyone in Paris everybody speaks English. Um, everybody I, she talks to does. I appreciate that she didn't assume that everyone spoke English. But she's like, nobody here speaks English. They all speak, especially if they're under the age of like 50. Everybody speaks English. Anyway. So then she's talking to Mark, who is from Montreal. He sounds very American. Like, he did not sound... 
like he was from not America. He no, used yeah. very American colloquialisms. And I know there's a lot of stuff that moves up and down between the but but also he's from French Canada. So like that's a whole different anyway, whatever, it's fine. And then we go through the three days of them hanging out, and that's literally all that happens. We hear about the food. Also, the the, the <laughs> he's like, Oh God, sorry, I'm like stressed out from work, blah blah blah. So then the very first thing, their first very cute little thing is she's like i'm gonna guess what your job is and of course i mean like sure whatever but also of course that's a thing that she decides to do because she doesn't know anything about french or france because in france asking asking somebody you've just met what they do for a living is way too personal a question oh yeah and that is not something you ask of someone that's information that somebody offers up so it's none of this like oh hey what do you do that's like rude to ask someone so of course she's like i don't know french i don't understand how paris works what's your job mister i mean i thought like honest like even though i knew that but i i honestly thought like the way of extending the date by he's like she's like well i'm gonna guess it i'm gonna guess it but not yet not yet and then she he's like well if you can guess it you know you'll get a gift i like the idea of extending the date and extending the hangout time by like never guessing like yeah it was well done it just was funny to me that she did not make any effort to learn french and then like they were in a country where asking someone that question is rude. Right. It was what just I funny found to me. What's funny about it is that this is the wrong book for it because this is a book yeah. about fortune tellers and people who can read the goddamn future. Um, <laughs> I want she her just to, to look in the bottom of his coffee cup and she know what was going I on. I wanted her to be able to successfully do that as a uh-huh. character. If it was a different character who had no magical abilities, I would think this was fucking adorable. Like, Mm -hmm. if it was me, that's cute. It's somebody Uh. who's magic and can read people's minds? No, that's awful. You're bad at it. You're bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) So then we find out over the course of these three days that Mark has a gambling problem. Oh, and guess what? I feel like I find out nothing else about him. Like... All I find out over these three uh, days of them hanging out is that he's hot, he has workman's hands, and he'll do anything she wants to do. (laughs) mm -hmm. And then has a gambling problem. I never wanted them to get together. I never wanted them to get together. But then she was like, don't don't have a gambling addiction anymore. And he's like, okay, I'll do it for you. Sure. But then she's busy with with opening up the shop and then um, thus proceeds. We get an insight into Evelyn's life in Paris because Evelyn had lived in like after she graduated college, she moved to Paris for a little while. And there's this whole thing about all the aunties, like all the you family aunties and how like kind of smothering the family is. But Evelyn's always been sort of like private and sort of done her own thing so it's sort of like we get a a, a glimpse of like oh she's reunited with some friends we get to see what her life was like at the tea shop i'm like i want this book i want evelyn to be the book what are we doing with vanessa anyway so then vanessa tries to do the fortune telling and it doesn't work out and blah 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 and then there's a boycott there's a there's a flyer that goes out that says oh well don't don't shop at oh before that actually they they go to a restaurant um vanessa's like oh hey auntie i found this really cute restaurant 
after, of course, the first class ticket, the free accommodations, the the brand new wardrobe, because they just have nothing but money. Um, so then uh, Vanessa's like, oh, oh, Auntie, I found this restaurant. Let's go. And then it, and then they go and they sit down and they have like a course. And then the chef comes out and he's screaming at, at uh, Avalon. He's like, how dare you show your face here again? Get out of here. I never wanted to see you again. And Vanessa's like, you knew this was going to happen. You knew about this restaurant, didn't you? And Evelyn's like, well, yeah, of course I did, but whatever, it's fine. So through the course of the book, we find out that the owner of this restaurant and Evelyn had an affair while she was living in Paris. And then she was like, well, I have to go back now. And he felt that she chose um, her family over him. And he was upset by that. Gerard is his name. Um, But then after this whole scene, a flyer comes out that's like, don't shop at this tea shop. She's not Parisian and her tea isn't even from France. And I'm like, okay, well, I get the like, she's not Parisian was very coded and like she's Asian. So she obviously isn't one of us. But then it's like, her tea doesn't even come from France. Tea doesn't come from France. Which Vanessa says. Vanessa's like, tea doesn't come. Tea only comes from Asia. Like, there's no, yeah. like, every what are you And, like, about? part of me was like, why couldn't. So, talk about another, like, book that couldn't sustain the incredibly serious topic mm-hmm. it decided to go down. Like, at this point, our author has decided that she's going to address racism and the, and, like, post COVID era like heavy anti-asian racism and um this book came out in 2020 um so i thought like this is very interesting and i think could be addressed in some other book that's not this one because this one addresses it very poorly Mm -hmm. and uh very scantly and i'm like why are we like dancing around it like um why would anybody in France be surprised that an Asian tea shop is run by an Asian woman? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's I, not what's going to keep people away. Like, <laughs> yeah. But then, it, like, all the locals boycott the shop, which I was, like, willing to believe. But then, like, the tour guides wouldn't stop there. And pop- I'm like, what are the tour guides fucking care? Like the tourists weren't even coming. How were the tourists finding out about this? Anyway, the well, and I the, kept thinking it was going to be like connected to the fortune telling, because obviously you know they they don't talk about it, but her aunt is obviously also telling fortunes in the tea shop. But Vanessa is as well, and I kept thinking like that's a really good reason to like boycott the tea shop. Like if. If somebody gives a bad fortune or like a fortune that they don't believe or something and then, you know, gets a bad fortune and now mm-hmm. they want to like be angry at the tea shop. That's a great reason. Right. Which Vanessa did. Didn't she like tell some guy that his dad was about to have a heart attack or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so then Gerard's name is on the flyer. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Spoiler, spoiler. It was someone else that was doing it. And Gerard didn't actually know what was on the flyer. So, like, it didn't really matter in the first yeah. place. Um, and then some shit happens. It's not important. We found out that Mark is the pastry chef at Gerard's restaurant. And uh, when Vanessa finds out that uh Evelyn and Gerard were a thing she tries to set them up again despite the fact that there's there's this thing about how everybody that two people are 
fated for each other because they have their red thread that connects them and like clairvoyants don't have a red thread so they don't have a soulmate so they're like never meant for romance or whatever but Vanessa's like fuck rules I'm gonna do it anyway so she decides to set them up and blah 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 shit happens that would be so much more interesting in a book about Evelyn than it ever is about Vanessa because then also we do not hear about Mark for like 150 pages well and talk about like okay now this is actually cell phone times and they can talk to each other via cell phone but like Vanessa's like well I guess Mark's just disappeared and he hasn't contacted me and I'm like girl you got a phone Call that man. <laughs> you know where he works. And then, and she kept saying, like, I guess he's gone forever. He hasn't contacted me. And then she's like, I guess I'll call him. I was like, you could have always just called him. Uh, I and know. then when she calls him, she ends up going out on the worst date with him. Like, <sighs> she's like high surprise, surprise. and drunk from like it's high from gambling. Like, like he's yeah, because surprise, high. surprise saying i'll fix my gambling addiction for you didn't fix his gambling addiction surprise um so he's like high from his gambling exploits and he's uh and he's drunk and like he's like yeah i guess you can come out and hang out with me and my friends and she's like okay and she comes out and it's terrible because they're all speaking french and she doesn't understand what's going on and they're all drunk and kind of like rascally and she's like this is not fun and i'm like yeah no because mark's a bad guy like don't date him (laughs) (laughs) or he's i mean he's not a bad guy he just like has has like an addiction problem that he needs to work out um so anyway so then everybody reconciles it's fine um gerard and evelyn end up together and then all oh oh and then i forget um vanessa quote almost dies Yes. Oh, she did get hit. That's right. She gets hit by a truck. Um, uh-huh. And then when she wakes up in the uh, in the hospital, she can't tell fortunes anymore. But now she can see red threads everywhere yep. and doesn't seem at all surprised by this. It's fine. And then the narrative is supposed to be like, what's going on? Except we saw the scene where the, where the matchmaker explained it to her. Yeah. And then there's like stuff that happens like when she sees couples together, she like sees like clouds around them and like little like things happen. And then this book tried to be Amelie and yep. it was not. Nope. Um, and yeah. And then, and then and then there's this explanation. Oh, God. So then she sets up Gerard and Evelyn and then they have a red thread and Vanessa's like, oh, it's real. And then she sees Mark again and then they have a red thread and then she breaks it off with Mark and then they don't have a red thread. And I think it was meant to be a like you actually choose your own destiny kind of thing, but it uh-huh. felt very muddy. No, it was supposed to be a you choose your own destiny. And then she goes to Shanghai to learn how to be a matchmaker. And the matchmaker there is like, oh, no, you made that happen. Like, and you're the only one who could because part of you died when you were hit by the truck. And then you, like, you were always torn. Like, you could have either been either one of these. And I was like, why? Yeah. you, you, You inherited the capability to either be a matchmaker or a clairvoyant. The clairvoyant was more dominant, but you rebelled against it. So that part of you died when you got hit by the truck. And now you're a matchmaker all of a sudden. And then at the end, she's not with Mark. It's the... The H.E.A. is Evelyn, who's not supposed to be the main character of the book, but actually is the main character of the book. No, no. She and Mark do get together. No. And then she breaks it off with him and leaves. Oh, no. But then they end up together again. You're right. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're engaged at the end of the book. Oh, that's right. He's going to go to Shanghai. He goes to Shanghai no, he, with her. And she doesn't bother his learning. his entire life and is just going to be there. And she jokes. She's like, he's my translator because she refuses to learn any of the language that she's in the country for. Yeah, he's he's picked up. I don't know which dialect they speak in Shanghai, but he's picked that up. And uh-huh. she's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, meanwhile, like. Yeah, uh, whatever. It's fine. It was so boring, and it was about the wrong person. This book. I know this I book should have been about Evelyn, and it was, but it didn't know that. A second chance romance where there's this older woman who's in her sixties, never gotten married because she's believed in her heart and soul that fortune tellers never get married and never have a soulmate and so she's had love affairs and enjoyed that but she's never stayed with anybody because she doesn't want to like see the end of it like she wants to break it off so that it's quick and this was the one love affair that stuck around too long and they ended up hurting each other and she's like well that's exactly why I never do that and then she's back in Paris because it was the city that she loved the best. And she's setting up a tea shop because she loves tea in addition to the fortune telling. And he's only a couple blocks away, but she refuses to even go to his restaurant. And the one time she does with her niece, because her niece takes her there, he comes out and passionately yells at her to leave. Like, oh my God, that is great. Mm-hmm. And the story about how they had always talked about him opening up this restaurant and and um, the name of the restaurant is Le Papillon Bleu, which means uh-huh. the blue butterfly. Because whenever they're together, these like blue butterflies kind of appear out of nowhere and float around them. And they notice that when they realize they were in love with each other. So they're like, oh, this is our thing. And I'm always going to call this. I'm going to call our restaurant the blue butterfly after us and our love. And then and then and then like I will say, because at one point <laughs> Vanessa is really bad at lying and uh goes pretends to be her gay uncle's husband's like assistant or whatever because i do have to talk about oh god what was his name michael the gay uncle he was great he was lovely Uh and his husband that um vanessa had set them up like years before the book started he's like a, a photographer that's what he is he's a photographer so she pretends to be his uh, like a, his scouting agent and is like to get a, a meeting with Gerard. And she's like, okay, so my aunt's here. She's still in love with you. And he's like, well, she hasn't told me that she, and I'm just like, and it, she's like, well, why do you think he, she's back in Paris? And he's like, to, to rub in my face, how happy she is. I'm like, that's a <laughs> stupid leap in logic, but whatever. But other than that, this sort of just like each of each of them is like well they the other person needs to tell me that they still love me so that i know and just like that tension and the restaurant and the tea shop and oh and it would have it could have been been such a good book about another character it would have been it would have been fucking delightful but instead we had to follow stupid vanessa around who was an idiot i mean and then there were things that just didn't make sense to me like one of the things is like Gerard says to to her like to Evelyn like you chose family over me and she's like well family is the most important thing and I kept thinking but why did she choose family and in what context how I think because just being far but they're rich and they obviously (laughs) travel all the time to each other so I don't think this is true 
Mm. And the aunts, like all of like the sisters of this, you know, of Evelyn's sisters were always just like, yeah, she's got to get married. They all would have supported her getting married to Gerard. Right. Not a one of them would be like, oh, no, don't get married way off in France. They would have been like, yeah, girl, get married. Yeah, because they didn't know anything. They they had no idea what had happened in Paris. And so Vanessa sent one of them a picture that she had found oh there was a thing with the letters too like it's not even worth bringing up but it was it didn't make sense how it all worked out like he sent her love letters that never got delivered so they showed up at the address of their apartment in paris so then um no she sent him love letters that's what it was evelyn had been sending gerard these love letters and he never got them because oh no she never sent them she wrote them but she never sent them but then somehow they ended up inside the mailbox at the apartment in paris so then she put them she took them to the post office and then they finally got sent despite the fact that she didn't look at the name on them or something i don't know that shit was stupid it was all dumb i mean there was so much this it was just like why like we've like we've gone the furthest possible way to connect these two things instead of just going like from direct a to b this writer is like no 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 i want to travel around the world with logic (laughs) leaps and then make a thing happen oh god but i started saying before i derailed myself that they the auntie saw a picture of Gerard and Evelyn, like when she was in Paris the first time. And they're like, Oh, he's hot. She should go for it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just do it. Anyway, it was uh, despite, despite having a fun premise in amazing city and how much it talked about food and tea. It was such a boring book. One of the worst egregious things that it did with food in this book is after the plot has been mostly wrapped up and so that like she's not back together with mark yet but so evelyn is back together with gerard gerard takes them out for food and we spend so much time on these fucking oysters oh my oh my god i thought we were gonna talk about every single goddamn type of oyster and i was ready to just stick my head in the oven. It was so close. And I've never like thought Ugh. about talking about food could be bathtubbing, but, but such it as is. it was. And I was like, no, like, and it wasn't sensuous. It wasn't sensual. Like I, it was just this author. You could tell this author really loves oysters and just wanted to like, just you know, talk rub one out it. talking about oysters, which go for it. But I, I don't need to read it. It was boring. Well, and it had nothing to do with the characters. It had, like, at this point, with Mark gone, and this book has really felt like a chiclet. I'm sorry to say that. That was, I hate calling things chiclet or women's literature. I hate that, but that's what it felt like that I thought, like, we were done. Because I was, again, remember, perfectly happy to never see Mark again because he made no fucking sense as a character and the romance was dull as, dull as dullards. So I thought we were done. I thought, Mm -hmm. well, one of the characters like everything's been wrapped up that i need she's got she's got her new purpose her aunt has found the love of her life it's all going to be fine and now we have to spend five pages on oysters oh god yeah anyway that was vanessa used magical paris tea shop by is it roselle rosalie 
I say Rosalie. Okay. Also, not enough tea. I'm very sorry. Despite the fact that it was in a tea shop, there should have been more tea. And like, despite the fact that how much they went on and on about flavors and food, she's like, and then I sipped the oolong. Anyway, and I'm like, well, tell me about the oolong. <laughs> That's what does why fucking oolong taste like? We're here for the tea. Oh, we're not going to talk about what oolong tastes like? Fuck No, you. but we're going to talk about like what bread tastes like for six pages. <sighs> okay, that was that actually was Vanessa used Magical Paris Tea Shop or whatever, whatever. Anyway. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's play Fuck Mary. 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 Fuck Fuck Mary Kill, mm-hmm. aunties, mm-hmm. uncles, mm-hmm. best friends from high school. Okay, so <laughs> both of these books had both those things. I FYI. know, but also like not my aunties or uncles, just no, aunties. no, just okay. The idea, the idea. Okay, okay. I'm gonna marry best friends from high school. Um, I'm going to fuck aunties because I feel like there would be sex and then also good food and a lot of gossip. <laughs> and those are things I enjoy. And I'm going to kill uncles, not because I want to. I don't want to, but that's the game. <laughs> what about you, Claire? Um, I think... So I think I am... I'm probably... I'm going to kill best friends from high school. Oh... I like them often in books, though. I feel like the old, like, often in these books, I feel like there's no real reason they've stayed friends. It's just that they need a friend. Yeah. And I'm I'm only in touch with one of my best friends from high school. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't, I mean, I know a lot of people really do have a lot of their friends from high school. And, yeah. like, and that's great. Um, but I feel like the people in these books if they only have one friend, it's going to be either the one they work with or their friend from high school. And I'm like, you just aren't a person. You just mm-hmm. don't grow. You don't change. You don't look. You don't have experiences. Fair. That's it. And it's only one friend from high school. And like they were the ones that talked to nobody else. Like that. it almost <laughs> always says that in the book, too. Like it was just me and them. against the world and we're like why why can't we have like more friends anyway i'm gonna kill them just specifically for the way they're used in these books not the way that people actually have them in real life um and to that end i think like uncles don't get enough love like um i have a lot of uncles and i think two of my uncles who have sadly passed on like I was really close with and like I really enjoyed and they definitely served the let me give you life lessons and let me take you to cool places and let me give you the tea and so I'm so I don't want to fuck those men obviously because they're family (laughs) but I mean let's fuck uncles um and aunties I'm gonna marry aunties um and for the same reason like you know there's 
always something, especially in these books, but always in general, that there's more maternal stuff. Mm-hmm. Like your uncles are your best friends who are going to tell you the dirty jokes. Your aunties are going to tell you why the dirty jokes are bad, but they're going to tell you what's the tea with everybody else in your family. Mm-hmm. So like you, I'm going to marry them. Great. Great, great, great. Yeah. Okay, Claire, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Fuck, Mary, kill. Aunt Evelyn. Uh-huh. Aunt Bobby. Oh. Or Auntie M. Ooh. Oh, I am a huge Wizard of Oz person. Um... <laughs> I also... So, Christine just did a really face. <laughs> I am also surprised by this. No, I'm not, because you told me about how much you love the book. And you let me borrow it, and I read it. Yeah, I think, like, okay, to be fair, like, as far as, like, Wizard of Oz goes, I know people who, like, collect the things. I'm (gasps) not a collect the things person. I had a friend in high school that I'm not in touch with. Well, mostly middle school. Uh, Their family, they had the pink room in their house, and it was the front room, like, the front sitting room, and you could not go inside it. People were not allowed inside it. It was called the pink room because the carpet and all the furniture was pink, and it was full of nothing but wizard of oz memorabilia tchotchkes etc yep Oof. they also had chickens because they lived out in the boondocks i um didn't really like even though like i knew i understood the jokes even though i moved to san francisco i did not understand how gay the wizard of oz was until i went to the (laughs) sing-along at the Castro <laughs> Theater. And I was like, oh, all these men are gay. <laughs> like, these men are gay. They're yep. not even coded gay. They are gay. <laughs> the lion, gay as fuck. Well, and not just like, not not just like them in their like Oz like personas, but like them in their farm personas. Oh, yeah. They all, they, they they all live together farmers. in the farmhouse. <laughs> goodness anyway but i i've always been a fan of the wizard of oz i oh i would have to say i want to marry aunt evelyn because god what an amazing lady mm-hmm. like everything about her is great one of the most awful parts of this book that like it almost made me cry because i was so upset and i this is would have been so good from aunt evelyn's perspective like she's trying to teach her niece about things. Her niece does one of her like fucking fits where she's pissed because she doesn't want to do this. And she accuses Aunt Evelyn of not having lived a life. And at this point, this is a woman who opened a fucking tea shop in Paris. And you're going to say she hasn't lived a life? Mm-hmm. Fuck you. And I was like, how dare you, you little cunt. Get the (laughs) hell out of this beautiful tea shop and do not come back. And I swear to God, when she was hit by that truck, I was like, yep, that's what you get. (laughs) Claire. Anyway, so I'm I'm marrying Aunt Evelyn. Um, I... I'm going to kill Aunt M if only because she's, you know, she's really, she's a damsel in distress. Aunt M mm-hmm. isn't like a real human being. And, um, and 
you know, I we don't need to like, but I'm gonna fuck Bobby because Bobby was hilarious and she was great. Bobby is asexual. They call her asexual in the book. So and you she can cuddle Bobby. So we would cuddle, but she's yeah. funny and fun and very supportive and lovely. So, yeah. Yay. And you? I do the same things. Um, I know. I know that in the real life version of what's the uncle's name? Auntie M and Uncle Henry um, or something. Yeah, Henry. I know in the real life version, she's a badass and she actually runs things. Yeah. But in the fiction, she's like, oh, oh, Dorothy, Dorothy. Anyway, so I'm gonna kill her. I'm also gonna marry Evelyn because she was. She, I mean, she was interesting. She, she spoke French fluently. She was fashionable. She had great taste and absolutely everything. Um, but then also like, and it's so funny too, because, um, Vanessa's like, oh, she's so, you know, like she's so cold. She's so exacting. And then we get to Paris and we see all of these friends that she has and all of these people that love her. So it's like, obviously she's fun to be around. Um, so I'm going to marry her and then I'm going to fuck Bobby. Bobby was a little bit of a dick when she first came in and then towards the end she was funny. So I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Um, so we'll cuddle because yes, she is ace. So we shall, we shall cuddle or drink cocoa together or something, (laughs) whatever she wants to do. And out of all the characters, Claire, um, out of all the characters, um, Okay, well, out of all the characters, I'm going to marry uh, Aunt Evelyn, mm-hmm. and I'm going to fuck Gerard. Okay. Um, and then all the three of us are going to get together, and we're going to have a great time. Great. Um, I am going to kill... The funny thing is, I don't think any like character was actually like super egregious, like other than like boring. But I'm going to mm-hmm. kill Vanessa because uh, I already stated that I did not mind that she. Was <laughs> you're you're the one driving the truck, weren't you? Um, <laughs> um I'm going to fuck Michael, her gay uncle. Mm-hmm. He was lovely. He was great. I'm also going to marry Evelyn, and then I'm actually going to kill Gerard. Um, because like. He knew about the boycott, but then didn't know enough to understand that, like, racism was happening. And then when he got confronted about it, he was just like, oh, I did not know this was happening. Uh, yeah. And it's like, get it together, guy. Like, he was fine at the end, but I, that, I think I'm just mad at the plot line and I'm taking it out on him. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, okay. I definitely felt like this writer wrote herself into corners and then just decided instead of rewriting and fixing things was like, no, I'm going to dig in. <laughs> yeah, it's like she it's like when you you've you're repainting the floor or something and you're in the corner and she's like, what do I do? Instead of figuring out, she's just sort of like busted through a wall and walked out. Yeah. Like none of this mattered. None of this matters. Oh, so obnoxious. And the books, Claire? Oh, I'm killing both of them. <laughs> um, I did not have fun mm-hmm. at all. Great. Like the one thing I really hoped that tea leaves and tourniquets would turn around would be the sex scenes. And no, it really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would say they were fine to boring. Um, 
Yeah, I'm Manana. Killing both. Yeah, I'm going to kill them both too. There were the stuff with uh, Arthur the cat in um, Tea Leaves and Tourniquets was funny. Um, And like the town sounded cute, but everything else was like, fucking why? And then. How how did a book about Paris end up so boring? So boring. Oh, so yeah, I'm killing them both. I'm killing them both. Okay. Does that mean then that it's time for our favorite game? It is time for our favorite game. Christine, yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. So, I don't. Th- I. I don't think you're going to get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just give up. I don't think up. either of you will. Because Great. not only is it uh, very specific, it's also not a theme that anyone would expect me to pick. But here we are. Oh. Okay. Next time we are reading Team Fission by Chase Verity and Boy Toy Man Hands Book 3 by Serena Bowen and Tanya Ebby. Okay, so this is already hilarious because it's fission and toy. So already we're doing Barbie Hammer right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I that, mean, that's not it. So it, yes. it's not physics. Nope. Um, boy toy. Say the second one again. Boy toy, man hands, book three. By Serena Bowen and Tanya Abbey. And the first one is Fission. Team Fission by Chase Verity. Man. I mean, man hands just makes me think of Seinfeld. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is this like 80 sitcoms? It can't be. <laughs> like, I don't know. It is not 80 sitcom. Okay. Um also, I will tell you that fission is not, it's not fission. It's a portmanteau of the characters' names. Oh. So it's P-H-I-S-O-N. Oh, So okay. it's not about P-H-I-S-O-N. fission. P-H-I-S-O-N. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then that leaves us with Which man hands. nothing other than it's a portmanteau of the characters' names. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that but leaves us just toy, with man hands. Man hands book three. Right, as a clue, boy toy, man hands, boy toy, man hands. <laughs> Do you have any guesses, Claire? <laughs> um, yes. My guess is friends with benefits. No. But is it clothes? Um it's in a similar vein. (laughs) Um one night stands. No. Open relationships. No. Polyamory. No, we already did polyamory. Right, 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 right. I don't know. I feel so stumped. Boy toy. <laughs> Molly knows again. 
toy. <laughs> I'm just going to keep repeating it until her head explodes. Why does she keep saying it? It's like she's circling the stupid thing in Pictionary and just pointing to it. Boy toy man hands. Man hands. Boy, boy toy. toy. Man toy hands. Toy boy hand man. Man hands. I don't know. Carpenters? Hamp, hamp, hampstead. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's not carpenters. I don't know. I give up. I give, you up. give up. Do you both I give up? Do. I give I up. Do. These are age gap romances. Oh! But obviously, because it's me, I made sure that the younger person is very much into adulthood. And by sheer coincidence, they are both 28. Oh, nice. So the Good. younger okay. the younger person in the age gap romance in both of these books is 28. Okay. Okay. So you can feel a little bit better about ourselves. You're like 20. Eight. Eight. So 18 <laughs> plus 10 more years. 28. That's very close to 30. So It is. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's all we have to say. So thank you, Claire. Well, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. <gasps> thank you. Thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. Obviously... Uh, we have pulled your books onto this podcast and we have ripped them apart um, at the bindings and tossed the pages around for our amusement. But guess what? We bought these books. So I think they're also both like New York Times, New York Times bestseller. Yeah, they're fine. Like, they're they're fine. fine. They're fine. Uh, thank you, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. Obviously, we couldn't do this without you. And if you wanted to support us and help us in our endeavors, Neil, where can they go? Well, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash fmklitpod. There is a link in the description. Uh, we suggest following that or putting the whole thing uh, into the um, URL thing uh, words uh, because <laughs> Patreon makes it hard to find us because we say dirty words. Filthy, filthy words. Filthy, filthy words. Yeah. So, um... If you aren't able to support us on Patreon, please rate, review, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your aunties. I bet they'd get a kick out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I guess all we have left to say is that if you can do so safely. And consensually. And actually talking about tea. Actually talking about tea. We're going to have to, we have to do this again because we have to do actual tea books. Actual tea. Keep fucking